Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Toth, Executive Director of the J. Cruz Education Center, and welcome to the J. Cruz Education Center podcast. Today, we are again going to focus on one of our 16 pathways. Remember, our goal with this podcast is to jump into the lives of individuals and discover what it's like to be them as we help other people discover what jobs exist and how they can mesh their talents and passions to find a career that is fulfilling. So today, we're going to jump into the health science pathway. And I'm joined today by our special guest, Dr. Dave Connor. Dave, how are you? I'm very good. Good. Well, thank you for being here with us today. So for those of you who uh, just need a refresher on the health science pathway, uh, this pathway holds careers that are designated um, in the area of jobs, which includes uh, doctor, nurse, radiologist, surgeon, pediatrician, physical therapist, optometrist, dentist, geriatric care, x-ray technicians, physician's assistant, and many, many more. I could go on and on, but uh, today we have uh, Dr. Dave with us, and he is going to tell us uh, about what he does in the health science pathway. So Dave, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our listeners where you work and what your title is. Yeah, my name is uh, David Connor. I work at Orthopedics Northeast in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I am a um, orthopedic surgeon, but more specifically, I am trained in sports medicine, which for us uh, is a focus within our surgical field of a lot of minimally invasive surgery in the shoulder, hip, and knee. Uh, and so that's t- where my f- practice tends to focus. Hmm. So you so you specifically are looking for cases then that are related to sports injuries? Well, not necessarily. Sports uh, sports surgeon for us uh, tends to speak to two things. Number one, it tends to be more soft tissue injuries like ACL tears, meniscus tears, which are both in the knee, rotator cuff tears, um, soft tissue damage in and around the hip. And then uh, the second part of being a sports surgeon is is the use of minimally invasive or mainly arthroscopic uh, surgical techniques. So yeah, I, I treat patients from 10 year, you know, 10 years old up to 90 years old and kind of everything in between. So for us, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, oh, you were an athlete and you got injured on the sports field. It more means, you know, hey, I, I have a type of injury, it more describes a type of injury and less, less so a, you know, specific event that was occurring. And we, but we do cover different sporting events and things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Huh. So many people probably think, oh, surgeon, you're in the operating room and you know, you're operating on patients and that's what you do. But tell us, I guess, what an orthopedic surgeon does, maybe like what an example of your day looks like. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not all day, every day in the OR. Yeah. So there's, uh, you know, all of us kind of look at the ratio of time spent in the office versus time spent in the operating room. And then, then as you know, you evaluate the, your career also, time spent on call or basically waiting for emergent cases. So for us, uh, in, in my practice, I would say I'm pretty close to about 50-50, meaning about half the time I'm spent in the op- office. Now, all of us have been to a doctor's office at some point in our life, and that involves me meeting with patients with different kind of complaints and ailments, and mm-hmm. we evaluate them. We talk about what our options are. Sometimes those options are surgical options and performing surgery, and sometimes those options are non-surgical measures, which includes a 
kind of a myriad of other treatments, injections, therapy, you know, medications, things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of uh, what I do. So, you know, like I said, half the time in the office and then half the time in the operating room. For an office day, uh, that day's, you know, pretty typical office day. I started, you know, the office actually starts at about 7.30, 7.45 and only ended about five o'clock. And, you know, we'll, we'll see lots of patients during that day. An operating room day, uh, I get to the hospital about 6 a.m. and then probably leave, you know, between 5 and 6, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, on a given day. Okay. So do you determine, do you pick when you are doing office days versus surgery days or, or does somebody set that schedule or do you get to pick? Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a situation where we have a, our own specialty hospital, like an orthopedic hospital. What that means is that we, we only perform orthopedic surgeries there. Um, and there is, uh, only so much space and so many surgeons. And so, you know, we go through and we kind of set our schedules several months in advance, meaning I know what days I will be in the operating room. Um, and, and I have some, uh, some say in that schedule, but, uh, you know, some of that, like any other practices determined on seniority. So mm-hmm. you guys who've been here the longest get to choose what days they want to operate and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's the most exciting thing you would say you do on a, on a daily basis or in your career? Yeah. I mean, the, the reason why, I mean, why I got into surgery is to perform surgery. And so mm-hmm. like, like anything else, uh, I just, uh, I love it. I love being in the operating room. Uh, I love performing surgeries. Um, obviously there every, every day and every week can present new challenges. There are times when, I, I may have done surgery similar to this kind of surgery, but there are times when I've never done this specific kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, you have to pre- prepare, prepare for those kind of things. There's books and videos and, and different things that can help you prepare for that. So, um, yeah, every, every day in the operating room, no matter how, how many times I've, I've done a surgery, there's times when I've done the surgery several thousand times, mm. but, each person is different each each time yeah. you uh, um, approach a, somebody's shoulder or knee or hip or you know it can be a different challenge a, a different set of problems and so yes surgery is definitely the the thing I enjoy the most uh, but I, I would say that as I'm um, as I get further along in my career I definitely see the melding of what happens in the office and what happens in the opera room because yeah. You know, I, I'm truly am building relationships with these people. Occasionally, you'll come into the office and you broke your leg. I say, hey, tomorrow we need to operate on your leg. Mm-hmm. And then I see you a couple of times after that, after the surgery, and then you go home. That's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, most of the time, you know, a person's decide, decision to get their shoulder replaced or their knee replaced or even some of the soft tissue procedures that I perform, I am developing a relationship with these people and we're, you know, we're, we're talking about not just yes or no, should they have the surgery, but you know, what's going on mm-hmm. in their lives? So what, what's their job? How is this, how is this surgery going to affect their job? And then like, yeah, like so important. many, yeah, like so many people, their work is affected by the seasons. And so I have guys, a lot of guys who do manual labor and in the summer, they're really busy in the summer is a bad time for them to be out of work and they want to wait till the winter or, vice versa, depending on the job. So 
getting to know the people, building relationships with the people is, I would say, just as important as being a competent technician at what you do, because, you know, it's not just how to operate, but why to operate and when to operate. And those are important things Mm. to consider as well. Mm, Definitely. I think it probably takes, you mentioned earlier, maybe a lot of intuition. You can read all the books, watch all the videos, but once you get inside somebody's shoulder or you're looking at the surgery inside of them, it, it may be completely different and you have to use intuition and some of your knowledge and every every case is probably different. So, yeah. Interesting point there. What's the most difficult thing you have to do as a surgeon? <clears throat> I think the most difficult thing to, to, to do you know, there, there are there are surgeries that require d- different amounts of technical skill, just like, you know, the difference between changing a tire and on a car and ripping out the entire engine. But, you know, I think the human element, I think, is by far the most uh, challenging aspect of this is that, you know, when bad things happen, you're talking to a human being and you're talking to, you know, other people's family members. Um I, like so many physicians, I've had patients that have uh, passed away, mm. some uh, as a result of orthopedic injuries, some as secondary to those orthopedic injuries. I've had complications that have occurred. Um, and I think that the most challenging aspect of it is approaching people the right way and and, and presenting, you know, being... Uh, a humble servant to these people. That's what's most important. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes people are understanding, sometimes because of the stress of the situation, people are not so understanding and everything in between. But I would say as my career goes on, the most challenging aspect of it is is dealing with people. It's also the most rewarding aspect of it, mm-hmm. uh, of it sure. is, is, is dealing with the, 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 the dynamics of families and relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting that the relationship piece is maybe one of the most difficult, can be the most rewarding, but most difficult. Hmm. Interesting. So what's something you thought you would never do, but you actually have to do in your job? Yeah, I think that that's uh, I, 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 back to the relationships. You know, I, I've, I, I thought, especially with orthopedics, we very rarely deal with people passing away. And I thought I would never have, you know, or never, or certainly never didn't plan on having conversations with family members after a family member had passed away. But I've, I've, I've fortunately and unfortunately have been able to be a part of some of those conversations. And it's mm-hmm. not something that I, I planned on, but it's something that I, I would say I consider myself privileged to be a, a part of uh, because it's, it in makes all aspects of my career and uh, life that much more rich. But yeah, I guess if you say, what did I not expect to have to do? I didn't expect to have to do that, but this is the part, a part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good for our listeners to hear if they're considering, you know, doing this or maybe those things that they didn't think they would ever have to do and conversations they would never have to have with individuals. So no, that's, that's an excellent, excellent point to share. So how, I mean, you've been doing this for a while and I know it took you some time to probably get through med school and residency and all that, but how old were you when you started um, as an orthopedic surgeon? And and then I guess also tell us your background as far as what skills and education that you needed to get your job. 
Yeah, so uh, I guess to start with the education part, I, I like everybody else, went, um, like most people, went to college, uh, went to high school and then went to college. I have a four-year degree in chemistry. Um, so most people who go to medical school tend to get a biology or chemistry degree because that helps fill the prerequisites to go to medical school. You don't have to get one of those degrees. Mm. Um I took what's called the MCAT, which is a test to, to get you accepted into medical school. Okay. Took that. Well, I then went on to IU, uh, IU School of Medicine in, in Indianapolis. I spent four years uh, there uh, in medical school. Once I graduated from medical school, I went on and did uh, five years of residency training in orthopedics. So that's kind of how you become an orthopedic surgeon is after medical school depending on the specialty uh, and field of medicine that you want to go into, the residency training is of variable lengths. Uh, so most surgical residencies are about five years. I did five years of orthopedic residency, finished that, and then did a, one more year of a, a sports medicine, what we call fellowship, which is just more training within a specific field of orthopedics. And so I think I was... 31 or 32 when I started uh, um, my, my practice here. And then I saw I've been here. I think this is my eighth or ninth year here at Orthopedics Northeast. And this is where I've been since I was out of training. Okay. So it sounds to me like a total of 10 years post high school graduation to get you to the point where you are in your own practice and, and licensed and ready to go. Four yeah. years of college, uh, five years of a residency, and one more year of a maybe a specialized concentration. Is that what I heard? Well, four years of college, and then four years of medical school, and then five years of residency. And then five years. Okay, so I missed. Okay, I missed that additional part there. So yeah. okay, it's a you know About 14, 15 years then. Yeah, it, okay. and uh, you know it's one of those things where, like anything, if you if you looked at uh, at a mountain and you know recorded every single step that you had to take up to the mountain <laughs> most people wouldn't try to climb a mountain but you know i think that you have to look at each step as a part of the journey sure. and learn to enjoy each each step and so um i really liked my residency training i mean it was it was long it was hard but it was I, I would describe it as be, like being on one of the best sports teams I've ever been on. You know, you, you, you have a group of individuals who are all learning uh, at different levels. You know, d you know, everybody's kind of a different year of training and, and learning together and teaching each other. And that was actually pretty enjoyable. And then, you know, my, I would say I, I really like my fellowship training. That was good. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you just, if you said, oh, it's 14 or 15 years and, and that's the, the only thing I'm focusing on, then maybe this isn't the field for you. But you know, anything worth worth doing is is going to take some work. And you know, there are plenty of other fields too: engineering, uh, medicine, law, all those kind of things. Where if you ask those people when did they really kind of come into their own in their careers, they would say, "Oh, probably five, ten, fifteen years into their mm -hmm. career is when they really started honing in on sure. being a, being a technical expert in their field, you know, and things like that. And so that's what it takes in orthopedics. Now, you know, as far as the real life career kind of questions, once you graduate from medical school, while you're in residency training and an orthopedic and fellowship training, you're getting paid. So you are kind of an employee. So, so it's not just, you know, 
after medical school, it's not just years and years of racking up more debt. I mean, there, there are plenty of people during residency and fellowship who have families and kids and wives and, you know, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely enough money to live on. And Mm -hmm. so I, I think that that's, that's something to consider. And, you know, like any career, it's it's an investment in yourself, and sure. you, you're uh, you know, you 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 are taking an opportunity to you know plan for the future. Mm-hmm. No, good point, good point. So you're looking at this, you know, 14 year game plan. You know, why why that passion and drive? I guess my big question: Why did you decide to become an orthopedic surgeon? What what led you to choose that career path? Yeah, I mean, I I think that. When I look at it, I I think that I I look at how people mark their lives, you know, kids being born, um, houses, houses, you know, bought and sold, you know, different careers that they've had. And one of those, I would say, sentinel markers within people's lives is, oh, I had this surgery done or I had this surgery done. And for me, um, it kind of combined two things I love. I mean, I, I love the technical aspect of it. I, I've always, I always had jobs where I worked with my hands, construction, landscaping, those kind of things. And that was what I found most fulfilling. It was working with my hands, accomplishing, you know, physical tasks. And then I would say I'm a relationship person. I really like developing relationships with people. And I think that that's, this is the best combination of things for me. Um, when I was in high school, I really was considering between, you know, some sort of engineering path versus, uh, you know, some a medicine path. And this seemed to be the best combination uh, of those two things for me. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe just an off uh, thought, but uh, do you have to have a steady hand to be a surgeon? I mean, yes, obviously. But do you get asked that? Like, do I have to be, you know, very, very hand-eye coordinated to, to be a surgeon? I would say, yeah. I mean, there, there are t- there are things that I do that that t- took some time. Uh, yeah. You know, there there are you, you can watch a million videos and read a bunch of books, but th- at some point you have to lay your hands on people, and and you really can only get good at doing something you know hundreds of thousands of times. And so there are ways for us to practice. There are you know simulators and cadaver labs and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, there is a certain aspect of hand-eye coordination that needs to be there. Um, I wouldn't say so much that, you know, I wouldn't discourage anybody to say, oh, if you're not a scratch golfer, forget it. You can't, you can't, you can't be a surgeon because I'm nowhere near a scratch golfer. Or if you're not a division one athlete that, that Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't do this technically. None of that. I mean, I think that Mm -hmm. like anything else, there's certain, certain guys that it's certain guys and girls that it's going to take longer for them to master a certain skill, just like anything else, you know, skills can probably be developed over time and practice for sure. And so I I wouldn't just because you're not, uh, you know, all state baseball pitcher, doesn't mean that you can't do this. That I think Tiddly Winks champion. You know. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you. I think it, it, it's it's it is something that you could a skill that you can develop if you if you're diligent enough about it. Okay. Okay. 
So what skills and characteristics would you say someone needs to have in order to become a surgeon then, since we're on the topic of skills? What are some other things that they need to probably have or maybe develop over time? I would say first and foremost is self-discipline, that there's so many things in my career where you know, there, there are going to, people are going to make recommendations. People are going to make suggestions, but you know, uh, you've got to be motivated yourself at, at some point in this process, somebody's going to say, Hey, you got to be here at five o'clock in the morning. And if you're but they're not going to go to your house and wake you up. They're not going to bring you, they're not going to bring you to the hospital and they're not going to bring you to where you need to go. And they're also not going to hold your hand and make you study. And so um, I think self-motivation, self-discipline are probably, I would say, the most important aspects of of this kind of thing, because Mm. it is a long road. It is a, you know, a difficult road. And and I think that uh, self-discipline and self-motivation are things. Number two, you know, the number two would be uh, a a love uh, specifically for what I do, a love for the manual labor of it. The, mm. the, 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 there it is, is it is a, it is a relatively physically strenuous job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't, again, I don't think you have to be a world-class athlete to do it, right. but you know, while I'm operating, I'm standing on my feet for about 12 hours, hours. I'm mm-hmm. swinging a hammer. I'm doing those kind of uh, things. And so your longest surgery that you've done. Oh, when I was in training, I was in part of four or five hour surgeries. Um, but most of the time, about three hours is, is about the longest that, that I do. And so, okay. yeah, I mean, you have to be, you know, have the mental focus and, 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 and the, the, the desire to, to, to stay honed in on w- mm. what's going on in front of you right, right then and there. So mm. I think a love of a love of the physical labor of it. And then number, mm. you know, the first and foremost of the self-discipline is the most important part. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. So, you know, you have this long commitment here, this journey, a lot of years, you know, you're on call, a lot of time, probably away from family. Um, you know, some people say, well, what's, what's the compensation? What does that look like? So I guess give us an, an average estimated pay range for someone who's just starting off maybe in the, in the orthopedic realm and then somebody who's, you know, specialized down the road, years under their belt. What does that look like for a salary schedule? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's starting off somewhere in the three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar range is probably the beginning uh, salary. Um, and then there are other opportunities within the field as far as business ownership, uh, which you know can can lend itself to. Um, lend itself to some more, you know, more financial opportunities. Um, past that, I, I think that when you get into different specialties, spine surgery tends to reimburse or pay a little bit better. Mm. Their workload is a little bit more um, in, in that field. So, But within each specialty within orthopedics, there isn't really this huge pay difference between like a hand surgeon and, and a sports surgeon or a okay. foot and ankle surgeon and a, and a trauma surgeon. There are little bits and pieces that can be slightly different, but, you know, overall within each specialty, there isn't a, a significant financial discrepancy mm-hmm. um, within the field. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so if someone were looking to go into 
being an orthopedic surgeon and pursue that career path, what would you tell them or encourage them to do to find out if that's something they really want to spend the next 14 years of their life getting educated and trained to do uh, before they start getting into debt and, you know, making decisions on loans? Um, What would you help them, encourage them to do to figure out if that's something they really want to commit to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say what I did and what I've seen a lot of students do is first and foremost, come spend time with somebody within the field that, that you want to study. So I spent time with orthopedic surgeons and, and neurosurgeons, and I spent time observing them in the operating room. I, I, I also spent time observing them in the office hmm. and seeing what they did mechanically day to day. Um, you know, that gave me the first kind of glimpse into what their life looked like. Um, and I think that's the first and foremost, most important step in the process, because, you know, if you get halfway through an operating room day that you're observing, uh, you know, this person and you're bored to tears and you just, you know, or, or you look at what they do and you're like, I'm not even remotely interested in participating in that kind of thing. And my stomach's think, twisting and in knots and my lunch right. is about to be on the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that, that that's a, that's a good, good indicator. Um, that, you know, it's, uh, that, that's the, a great place to start. And then beyond that, just talk to, talk to as many physicians as you, physicians or whatever field, you know, if you want to be a PA, talk to PAs. If you want to be a pharmacist, talk to pharmacists. Because really, I, I found that each field, especially within healthcare, but in all fields, uh, professions tend to have a personality. Uh, the, the, there are certain types of people that are attracted to different fields. And, you know, realizing that if you talk to 10 15 orthopedic surgeons and you can't stand any of them, <laughs> you know, these are, these are the kind of people that are more than likely going to be your colleagues in, in sure. the future. These are the kind of people that you're going to have to interact with on a daily basis. And so, you know, each field tends to have its own personality. And so does that, does that mean that uh, you have to be exactly like these people? No, but I would say, that that's another litmus test for you uh, to, to figure out if is this the right career for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's hopefully what we're doing here at the Jakers Education Center is bringing opportunity to students and other individuals and helping them, you know, like our podcast today, helping them hear from somebody who's actually doing it and actually in the field. So, you know, it's this definitely beneficial for for our listeners. Um, we're just about ready to wrap up here. Is there anything else that you would want to share about your experience or your journey? Anything else you think our listeners should know about uh, orthopedic surgery? I, I just, I, I think it's a, gr- a great career. I think it's opened a lot of uh, uh, doors for me. I think that that's one thing that I would say to, to, to tell people is think about the opportunities that, that your career is going to afford you, right? I'm not a firefighter. There's no way I can run into a birdie building with a with a fire hose. You know, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be able to experience that because I'm not a firefighter. And in the same way, you know, orthopedic surgery has allowed me to do missions, you know, medical missions and and and, and do certain things that that this career has opened those doors. And so, as you look forward to a career, not just think about the me- mechanics of what you're going to be doing on a daily basis, but also what doors and opportunities is that career going to open for you. Mm. Oh, awesome advice. Awesome thoughts and 
yeah, where else can your career take you beyond just the day-to-day office and, and OR, the sur- surgery room? So, no, great. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. I appreciate it, Dr. Connor. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Remember to subscribe to our channel as content will be updated weekly. Please leave a review and share with your, share us with your friends. Uh, you can always find more information about the J. Cruz Education Center at jcruiseducation.org and on our Facebook page, J. Cruz Education. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.